0: What is up everyone and welcome into episode 47 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com and my co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In this week's episode, Mike and I will get all caught up and talk about gigs and camps and new gear. In our education section, we're going to talk about practicing on alternative surfaces, pillows, soft practice pads, and even your thighs. Our featured artist this time is none other than Mr. Dorico Watson. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out the Audio-Technica AE-3000. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our pick of the week, and this time, it's oddly hilarious. So let's get started. Man, episode 47, and this is another one of those ones that barely got squeezed in. You and I are just a little too busy for our own good right now. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's careful what you wish for, I guess, right?
0: Exactly. I think... uh, Maybe the podcast is just a seasonal thing. We just do it in the winter when things are slow. <laughs> in the summer, we're too busy. So you're you're out. Are you at your parents' house?
1: Yeah, I'm out of town for the weekend just to get out of town. So we left today. Oh,
0: literally. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So i nice. Just, just visiting family.
1: Exactly. Going to the beach for a little while and do whatever cool. you know.
0: Just do you get to see your family very often?
1: Uh, about once a month.
0: Okay, that's cool. Which isn't too bad. I mean, it's How far away is it from where you live? Uh, five hours. Oh dear God. Yeah, it's a drive. It's a bit of a drive.
1: Man. But it's cool. I mean my brother's here, his family, my parents, so we just get him dinner, go to the beach, eat some seafood and you know, kinda just relax. So
0: So you have no gigs this weekend?
1: I gotta go back on Sunday and host a jam session. Of course you do. Yeah.
0: And if you're hosting a jam session, do you bring a beater kit or do you or do they have a house kit? How does that work?
1: Uh, This club, I have to bring my own. You know, it's funny. My beater kit is a uh, it's actually an old Ludwig kit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because there there becomes a level where your beater (laughs) kit is like, well, I'll just take the old D dubs,
1: (laughs) the older ones. And the reason I take it is because it has the uh, I can carry the bass drum and the rack tom in one hand, and the floor tom in the other hand, and I'm loaded in. So two trips from the car, I'm I'm ready to go.
0: Nice, no nice. cases, and, nothing. <laughs> and how are you as, as people keep stepping up and jumping on your drum set? Do you just kind of have to let it go for the night? Or do you actually, would you ever tell somebody that they were being abusive? Or
1: No, actually, everyone that comes out to this are, is really polite. There, was, there was one kid at, at a different place who decided he was going to try to break my stuff. Okay. And he had a fresh pair of sticks and he actually broke one of the sticks.
0: Oh, wow. And he
1: bent the beater of my bass drum pedal. <laughs> so at the end of the at the and he played last. So at the end of the show, he was kind of all proud, and he's like, i oh, sorry, I broke your stuff." And I just looked at him, and was like, "That is really, really not cool."
0: Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Here, you might as well take the other stick because you broke that one." Like, I don't know, you know, like. dog. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there. You know, I've I've only encountered it really with people that have never owned their own drum set it's it's actually funny there's a lot of people that play drums and are actually quite good and have never owned a drum set because their primary uh primary place they play is at church where there's a drum set there yeah um or maybe they go to a friend's house a lot or maybe they're using a shared rehearsal space but there's a a huge difference between that and then buying your first crash cymbal with your own money then buying your new bass drum pedal and you get this huge respect for somebody else's gear because you know what you're you know when you're when you're sitting down on their gear it's like hey look i'm i just want to play my instrument but i will respect your gear you know
1: yeah yeah he he didn't well he kind of learned i kind of gave him a little bit of a humble pie i was like look you sound really good you sound a whole lot better at about 10 percent that volume (laughs) and he kind of looked at (laughs) me like oh because he was Uh, he was was a
0: young guy trying to be tough guy and it was it just wasn't cool. sure yeah yeah no absolutely we have you know at camp i mean i've We've talked about this on the podcast before, but I have to remind everybody: these aren't rentals. This isn't like you know just camp gear. This is these are my personal kits. I have three of my personal kits with three of my personal symbol setups here. So every time, whatever you're playing, it's really mine. And I just let them know: like I will let you play as loud as you want, as long as it's relative to the genre of music you were playing at the moment. Mm. But if you if I put on a pop tune for you and you go Deftones on it, I'm going to be pretty upset as a teacher and as a as an owner. But if I give you a Foo Fighters song, I don't want you, you know, to be a sissy. I want you to I want you to lay into it, but I'm also going to change out my symbols to symbols that are appropriate for that genre of music. Yeah. And I'm not going to worry about it as much. So, it, it just has to be appropriate. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that I can handle it. So, yeah. so wait a minute. I I need to know you sent me a text. Uh a very very sexy text. Oh. <laughs> and hey I now. need to know is that is that is that yours or actually wait, we need to clarify what's your, <laughs> It's, is the symbol that you sent me yours, or is that something to review for MD?
1: No, that's for review. Zildjian sent me the a whole set of their new uh, Avidus symbols. Okay, so I literally sent you the picture after, right after I opened the box.
0: That honestly, when I saw it, I thought, I bet he bought that because it, it looked like one of those ones that yeah. you know I could see you owning that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, we'll definitely do a full you know review on it later. But sure. Sure. They are kind of exactly what I. Was wishing existed, so I mean cool. it's it's well, I, yeah. I mean I'm, I I'm a know. huge fan of,
0: of old A's, and these are designed to kind of be like the old A's. So okay, and yeah, I wanted to know if they were. I mean, I'm when we do the review, I'm curious right off the bat, like how are they different than the Corop line? How are they? How do they set themselves apart? And where do they fit in the Zildjian world? But I, I was really when I saw that picture. You know, I was really excited for you. Yes, Because you yeah. just know yeah, that they, that's your world. They sent 14, 15, 16-inch hi-hats. I think
1: it's... Whoa. Yeah. I think it's a 18, 20, 21, and 22-inch rides. And that's it. That's all there is. Oh, Which wow. is super cool. And I actually have old 14-inches hi-hats and old 16-inch A hi-hats. And I have old A rides and stuff. So I'm going to be comparing them with the old stuff side by side. That's cool. They're basically... Really cool. Like... The A version of the coropes. So the Coropes are okay. like, like patinaed Ks. These are like patinaed As. I gotcha. Okay. Super sweet. They've already oh. they've already been used on a recording session. Like the day I got them. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: Nice. So, so we'll do in a full long your, review. But cool. Yeah, I want to learn more about it. Um, speaking of like vintage As, and you know, and then the regular. Have you seen? I don't know if we even talked about. It, have you seen that video of uh, Chamberlain doing the Gretsch? His old broadcaster, yes. the new broadcaster. Yeah, that's a cool thing. I mean, that I one thing that I got out of it was I didn't know that Matt could throw down.
1: Yeah, he's been There's practicing, some chops man. In there. He's been practicing. Yeah,
0: I wasn't ready for that. He dropped the heat a little. I was like, what is he going a shed?
1: Like, a leather jacket and free. is he blazing with some Berkeley
0: kids? Like, what is he doing? Like, that was great. You know,
1: his old he put his old broadcaster up for sale. Did he really? Yeah, I think it's on Reverb.com. You can buy that kit. I'm pretty sure that kit is for sale. Wow. Along with a few other things, it might be gone by now. But as of a couple of weeks ago, he had put up a couple of things on there.
0: Oh wow, that's 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 crazy, man. Yeah. that's really cool. So that just means the good new broadcasters
1: stuff. must sound really good.
0: I've got one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They changed my life. Actually, speaking of that, that broadcaster—if you remember—that you know—it came in not my sizes, and then that changed me over to those sizes. Right. So right. now I'm twenty, twelve, fourteen. So. My favorite Brooklyn that I own is actually the cream oyster finish, and I just love the shells. I have it in 22 by 18 uh, bass drum. Oh, it's big. 10 by 7. Yeah, huge. 10 by 7. And then I have the 14 by 14 and the 16 by 16, and I have a 22 by 14 bass drum for it. What I don't have is a 20 or a 12, and those are mm. two out of my four drums right, right now. Right, right. So I ordered those this week. Um, and I think that will kind of become, um, you know, my, my main kit for a while. I mean, it's the same size as I've been playing for a while, but I I love that finish. And like I said, just the shells that I have, I'm just hoping these ones are, uh, as good and I'm sure they will be, but I'm excited to, to get that going. What do you have
1: set up right now?
0: I have that exact same thing in a Brooklyn, but just in a different finish. Um, And, and that was kind of a weird thing because we were trying to do something, um, Andrew Shreve had just gotten his job at Gretsch, and we were trying to do something. He was like, you know what? Why don't we make you a Brooklyn in whatever finish you want? And I picked something off the internet, but Andrew was brand new at Gretsch. So he was like, okay, whatever that's called. So I just said, yeah, I want the – I can't even remember what the name of it was. But I picked it off of a picture from the internet that I saw some random Gretsch from like 10 years ago. And it looked amazing and gorgeous, and it is. But then when it got here, I didn't know that it was actually the finish that my broadcaster is already in. Oh, so I have two of the exact same kits in the exact same color, except for one is a three ply shell and one is a six ply.
1: Not confusing at all.
0: <laughs> no, and I was like, uh, and I mean, you know, I kind of, I, I, I like finishes, and I, and you know, I was like, he's like, how do you like the new kit? I was like, it's, it's everything I love about my broadcaster. <laughs> With a slightly more modern sound, so uh, yeah, so I'm going cream oyster. So I'll order those; they should be here soon. So wait good stuff. All right, buddy, let's get into some education. This is something that I don't know if it's education or practice or where this fits, but you brought it up, and it's been brought up so many times by people at clinics that I'm at. This is one of the big questions they always ask. What do you think about practicing on pillows? Mm-hmm. What do you, you know, I heard Dennis Chambers warmed up on pillows and. So you brought it up and, and you said – I was actually surprised. You said it was a big part of what you did coming up. It was. Um, it was
1: because of, of Dennis actually okay. in his video. He said – because that was one of the questions. How did you develop your singles and doubles? And he says he practices on pillows. And that was kind of the end of the story. <laughs> like I practiced on pillows. So I, I actually had a little – we made pillows in home ec class in, in sixth grade. It was a, I had a blue walrus <laughs> that I made in home ec class. And that became my practice pad for six years. Really? Literally, I did not. I mean, I had a real feel, but I only used that. I used the real feel when I had to, like, practice etudes and marching band stuff. But when I was just working on, like, stone killer exercises and eight on the hand and always on a pillow. Uh, and and, And it just made me realize, like, I think I text you, like, I had a revelation that most of the control and touch that i feel like i have is because i did that practice because i'm not relying on bounce almost ever i'm stroking almost every note that i play yeah yeah therefore i can play smooth doubles on cymbals on floor toms on snare drums on yep whatever um so it kind of goes contrary to what the general philosophy is that the free stroke is the way to go now i think every drummer has to master the free stroke because if you don't if you don't know how to play with a free technique then you can never go to that that level that that right. world but when it comes down to actually executing and control i think you got to have strong wrist strokes right and the only yeah. way that i i i developed those by practicing on pillows and i had a, one of those really weird moon gel practice pads
0: yes i totally remember those yeah <laughs>
1: it's just like a giant a giant moon gel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is literally. And then it has like a weird uh like cellophane top to it. Yeah, like yeah. somebody put moon gel and then saran wrap yeah. on the top. And it was great. And then if you busted through it, then it was jelly everywhere. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, we we carried that at Drum Guitar City when I first started uh working retail and I was like no one's going to buy this cuz it's going to it's going to ruin their their confidence. Yeah, because it's real, you know.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I learned. I learned rudimental solos on that thing. I remember I was in all state orchestra in tenth grade, and I, I was the cymbal slash bass drum player in the orchestra, which meant I probably ten played ten notes in forty five oh. minutes of music. So I just yeah. sat in back of the rehearsal room and learned the rudimental solo tornado on a moon gel practice pad. I just practiced wow. it for like
0: 6 hours a day for like a week straight while we were doing this all-state orchestra It's awesome. While well, you're going 223, 2 3 4 224, 2 3 4 boom 2 3 4 2. Yeah, that's uh that's rough. When I when uh when you see a rest on bar 1 with a 211 over the top of it, and you're like, okay, so I come in on bar two twelve. Yeah, no, you just got to memorize the
1: piece. That's the
0: only way. Yeah, to do Exactly. That stuff. That's exactly. <laughs> I remember I played I played gong in uh, Carmina Barana, and I just it was like when they get to bum, bun, dun, dun, <laughs> I go bouge. <"Bluj."> yeah. <laughs> it's like I'll wait till then, you know. So uh, I yeah. told her I, I went through all that same stuff and uh, did all the youth symphony and yeah. honor bands and everything, and, and yeah. So I, I was kind of different i i didn't do a lot of pillow stuff i think i almost rebelled against it because it was brought to me like unless you practice on pillows you can't have fast hands and i was like mm. hmm, okay um it's kind of like you know i don't know i'm just so rebellious whatever you tell me is the only way to do it i will find the opposite and do that but what i did do is i always used my thigh to check if my doubles were real yeah um, same thing so, yeah yeah, I always – I mean it, it. I don't think it takes a lot of drummers very long to realize uh, I can rip this on the snare and it falls apart on my toms. Yeah. And so I always – and I, I think I actually – I probably played on pillows more than I admit. I just didn't do it like carve time out of it. What I would do is I'd always make a fake drum set on my bed and I would have something with medium rebound as my snare, something with lots of rebound as my hi-hat, and something with no rebound – as my floor tom. And I would just sit there playing all of my drum set stuff that mm-hmm. it was too late at night for me to play. Um, and so the pillow was always the floor tom. Oh, and, interesting. And then I would have maybe probably a, a magazine as the snare, medium rebound, very medium, and then a hard covered book as the hi-hat. And it had a lot of rebound. Oh, and interesting. Was like my, and then I would just tap on the floor with my foot. And then since we had carpet, I would just usually put a paper plate underneath my foot. And then when I stomped on it and made a little click noise Mm. so anyways i kind of did the same thing but there even still when i'm teaching as soon as i see a student that's ripping you know pinkies out doubles at 200 i always say move that to your thigh and then it all falls apart and i'm like okay you that's exactly what would happen on your floor tom yeah i mean it's it's the
1: same yeah same thing as a pillow i think it it also what i well first of all the thigh thing i i realized that that i I guess I had pretty good wrist technique when I was on tour and the sound guy saw me warming up on my thigh. I was just like playing some Charlie Wilcox and solos or something. And he's like, dude, how are you playing that on your leg? I'm like, well, what do you mean? That's, that's the only way I play it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, you must have really good technique. And I was like, I I, I guess, I don't know. It's just what I do. I don't practice on the snare drum because that would be too loud. First of all, too loud. Yeah, Yeah. So it was just kind of funny. But then I also thought, well, Probably 75% of my practice forever has been on surfaces that don't rebound because I I was a music ed major, so I had to play ton of marimba and those things Mm, don't rebound. Ton of timpani, timpani doesn't rebound. I mean, all this stuff, it just doesn't rebound, but you still have to learn the piston stroke. So you're still learning a maximum velocity stroke that goes down and up in one motion, but there's zero rebound. Yeah. So that's kind of the same thing as the free stroke when you just let the stick bounce, except for is not bouncing, you're just moving your hand faster, so
0: right, yeah, sure,
1: yeah, so it's just kind of one of those things i I feel like I just had to text you I was like I think this is this is kind of a not a secret because everyone talks about it, but right, it's one of the I think we it gets overshot by this whole concept of let the stick do the work for you, but you have to develop your wrist to a point to then let the stick do the work for you,
0: exactly, yeah, I mean it's that's the same as you know go ahead and improvise. But you don't know how to play drums. It's like, well, what are you going to improvise with? You have no, yeah. you have no vocabulary. So I think, I mean, and I'm, I'm not endorsed by them, so this is not <clears throat> a plug for them. But I think that Blue Lightning pad by Prologics is a nice in between middle ground. Um, mm. I remember, God, I, uh, what was the name of the company? They had it was an all black pad, and it was almost all foam. It was a thick all black pad um, with like a, this ribbon around it with their name, like Rhythm Tech or. Uh, I can't remember. Anyways, there was a, a pad that literally was just almost like the moon gel. It was so dead. And for the average drummer, it's just going to defeat. It's just going to you know kill them.
1: Yeah. It, yeah.
0: It's so it something in between. You know that ProLogics pad. It has that kind of mouse pad material. Um, the real feel pad to me. That type of pad. I mean, you know, Vader makes it. Uh, Minel makes everybody makes that rubber pad. Yeah. I've never used those. Ever. So much
1: rebound. I mean it's good There's, for learning yeah. the free stroke if you really want to yeah. learn that, but it doesn't feel like a drum.
0: No, and I, I mean I just kind of I it, it exactly. It, it always it's kind of like and nothing against them, but it's kind of like V drums to me or the the mesh heads. It just faked me out. I just hmm. thought I was way faster than I was. I got on my kit and it felt like quicksand and I was like, "You know what?" I don't want to do this so i think i think practicing most importantly practicing on multiple surfaces is really important because you don't have a pillow on your kit and you don't have a rubber pad on your kit you have a medium tension for the rack tom, you have a high tension for the snare drum, you have a low tension for the floor tom, and then you have wood hitting metal for your cymbals. So getting used to doing whatever the desired result is on multiple surfaces is really important. Yeah.
1: You know? Yes. Um, so the exercise that I did, I'll, I'll share it. It was, it was something yeah. Ed Shaughnessy uh, used to do in his clinics. He talked about technique and this was the exercise I, re- I remember it was him and Gary Chester were doing a clinic tour and I remember Ed handed out a piece of handwritten paper and it was one right, three lefts, five hundred times. Oh wow. Two rights, four lefts, two hundred times, three rights, six lefts, a hundred times, three rights, uh nine lefts, fifty times. And that was wow. like one repetition. <laughs> so I did that one every breath. day on on a pillow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> every single day. I love that, man. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's so funny, like you and I talk about You know, things like, oh, you're so lucky and, and, you know, how we respond to that. But when I go back to, like, what you're talking about in my childhood, it's like, God, if I practiced like that now, I'd be a monster. I I was obsessed with practice. (laughs) And, and I mean, just – it was almost like – because the other thing that we don't really have anymore is once you're an adult, you don't really have school band. You may have band, but you don't have a situation that you show up with four other drummers – Knowing that every semester you're going to have to reseed or re chair yourself for first chair, second chair, third chair. And I mean, that was like a bragging right. Was everything you just told me, that would be bragging at school. Like, oh, I did, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> right, right, left, 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 <laughs> left, 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 900 times. What'd you do? Right. Oh, well, I did the rudimental ritual by da- Dawson, you know, Alan Dawson. Yeah. It's like, it, it, you know, but I don't have that anymore. So, what am I going to do? Go home and tell Amber that I did stick control all left hand lead <laughs> while playing a you know bio with my feet. She doesn't care. So
1: <laughs> pretty funny.
0: I guess I'll just text you about it, <laughs> just like you did me. All right, let's talk about our featured artist. This time it is. Ah, uh, I, I I guess we're just pulling from my personal hit list. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is one of my favorite drummers in the world. Just like last week, this is Dorico Watson. Do you know Dorico personally?
1: I don't know him. I met him uh, just briefly at PASIC years ago, probably 10 years ago when he did, did PASIC.
0: You, did you get to see that solo?
1: Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely it was, amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was That was it the was one. dumbfounding that, how fast yeah. his foot was.
0: <laughs> Dude, unreal, right? Yeah. And he's like, he like leaning back and forth. And you guys can't see me on <laughs> Skype right now, but I'm buggy whipping in my chair. I mean, that was like... I remember he goes, and I was like, whoa, man. And I think he even maybe started one of the solos with those kind of Paul Wertico tubes. uh, Yeah, he might have, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, that was probably, that might have been the solo that alerted me to who he was. And I was like, who is this cat? And the thing was, that was right at like the peak of the whole Gospel Chops thing. And I was like, wow, this is a musician. This is not, you know... Lots, I can't lots of pigeonhole dynamics, this guy. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And musicality and storytelling. I was like, this is brilliant. And I couldn't I couldn't even decide because it was a drum solo with no music. I couldn't decide what he was as a drummer. I was like, is he a jazz drummer? Is he a fusion drummer? Is he an R&B drummer? I don't know what he is, which is – that's like awesome. heaven for me. Yeah. I don't want to know what you are. Yeah. I want to just be like, uh, he's good. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I saw that – And I don't think I saw it immediately as a solo. I think maybe Vic Firth put it out on their site. And I was a Vic Firth artist at the time. And they Mm. put out clips. And I was like, whoa, this is the cat. Then I found out that he played for Victor Wooten. Right. um, And then I got punked by him. For real? Hardcore punked by him. (laughs) And I'm seriously hoping he's listening right now. So, I get a call around 2011. And... I guess I had let my Aquarian rep, because he's an Aquarian artist, I get or he was. I guess I let my Aquarian rep know that I was a huge Dorico Watson fan. Yeah. Uh, I also let him know that I was a huge Derrico Watson fan, because I didn't know how to pronounce his name. Uh-huh. So that caused him to decide to punk me. So <clears throat> I get this call, and uh, I'm driving into work, and the guy says, Hey, man, what's up? Uh, is this Mike Johnson? I said, Yeah, and we're talking for a while. And, and he said, Look, I've got, I'm a drummer. I tour and do a lot of stuff in japan and it's a jazz situation and i cannot do it i got your number from Aquarian. is there any way you could cover me it's like a six month stint but it pays five (laughs) grand a month or i mean a week sorry five (laughs) grand a week now at this time there's no mike's lessons taken off i five grand a week sounds pretty good to me and i was like yeah absolutely i could do it and he's like he's like really you feel confident with this i'm like yeah absolutely no problem Uh, i need to talk to my wife obviously but uh if you can just send me Kind of, if it's standards, let me know. Just send me the music, whatever. It goes on and on and on to the point that we're making some serious plans. And then he goes, yo, who the hell would pay you five grand to play jazz? (laughs) And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. I still don't know what's happening. I'm like, I'm sorry, what's that? And he goes, yo, man, this is Dorico Watson. Ain't nobody paying you five grand to play jazz. And I was like, ouch, Ouch, "Ouch. man. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm still dumbfounded. I'm like, wait. What's happening? And he's like, "Hey, man, I got your you know your number from Aquarian and and I was like, "Well, wow, that's quite the way to introduce yourself." <laughs> oh man! Ever since then, we've been super close. He's one of my <laughs> I, he is he is one of the best human beings on the planet. Um, but I still remember it like it was yesterday because at the time I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "I don't know who's going to pay me to play jazz, but I need the money." Yeah, so gonna I'm going to learn me. jazz. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning jazz by tomorrow. It's not, it can 't be that hard it 's only like a hundred years worth of music i 'll get <laughs> oh, it down man. so uh yeah, so that was how I was introduced to Dorico as a friend and then uh, every time he comes through town, um, you know he 'll let me know that he 's out he 's you know coming through town with Victor and i get to see him so anyways, as far as his drumming, Dorico is just a brilliant musician he 's very, very giving as well he 's always putting stuff up on. Facebook and Instagram of just what he's working on, which is so rare for top level professionals to ever let you in on what their practice space is like, what their day, you know, most of the people that we see, including myself, it's like, well, I didn't show you what I was working on. I showed you what I worked on Mm -hmm. once it was worked on. He shows you really what he's working on in the moment. And it's like, wow, that's really revealing and really cool Mm -hmm. for somebody at that level um he has a website guys um and it's just called derico d-e-r-i-c-o watson.com and he actually has a dvd the dvd is called drum insights with derico watson and it's fantastic it's it's very well filmed and he does skype lessons and he does he does kind of what everyone does right now like he'll He'll record drums for your project, but if you want to see him live, check him out with uh, with Victor Wooten because he's just incredible. So, you got to see the the basic thing, yeah. And then, have you ever seen him play with Dorico, even video? I mean, with uh, Victor Wooten, even videos? No, no I have. I've heard I think I've heard some rec- recordings, but I haven't seen him. Uh huh, no, it's pretty incredible, man. I bet, uh,
1: yeah. They uh, I mean, Victor's ridiculous in his own right, obviously,
0: yeah. And I think. Victor I, I'm sorry I think Tirico was telling me he was either telling me or maybe he was telling Chris Brady but that that Victor really really changed his approach to drumming because when he got the gig he was trying to like overplay the gig and he wasn't serving the music when I saw him he was a reinvented person that was only serving the music I mean mm. it was really brilliant but I guess in the beginning, it wasn't like that. And, the, and you know, Victor wanted him in the group but needed him to serve the music. And so, you know, guys, no matter how fantastic you are and how great you are, if you can't serve the music, it's not going to last very long. And that's one thing that I love about Dorico. He has all the chops of any of the people that you would name as like the blazing drummers. But he doesn't use them unless, unless Victor leaves the stage and says, OK, take a solo. And even then, he still tells a great story. So yeah, yeah. Maybe we can find a link to that PASIC solo and throw it into the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. That'd be awesome. Well, everyone, take, uh, take some time and research Dorico Watson, drummer, clinician, author, stud. Uh, he's fantastic. And, uh, and when he plays, he'll make you want to buy a Mapex. When I first saw his, he did like a Black Panther video and I was like, whoa, that's quite the drum set. Yeah, yeah. But beautiful. I think he might have been I'd, playing, oh my gosh, Premiere. Is that possible? He was. He was a Premier artist for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's near and dear to our hearts. I know, right? That's probably why I loved Sigia, him right away. <laughs> ah, good stuff. All right. Let's get to Almost Candy. This is some gear review. And this is almost like a gear review version of Pick of the Week. I don't know if you've ever seen this mic, um, this microphone mic, but it's called the Audio Technica AE3000. No. The reason why I brought it up is this microphone, uh, full disclosure, I am an Audio Technica artist, um, but I'll give you the most honest review that I can. This microphone is the mic that I would recommend if you are only gonna get one microphone under $300. This is not the mic I'm using right now as my overhead, just because I happen to have a different microphone I like a lot. But the one that I use is $700 or $800, and not everybody can afford that. So this mic is $279. It's called the Audio-Technica AE-3000. And here's why I like it. One, you might have seen it. Uh, I think Benny Greb is using it either on his side snare or on his rack tom in the newest DVD. So it's this little – well, it's not little, but it's a small – black large diaphragm microphone. So it's a large diaphragm mic, but in a small case. And one thing that I like about it is it's a large diaphragm microphone and it's already uh, cardioid. So you don't have to worry about it picking up the bad sounds from the ceiling if used as an overhead. It's in cardioid pattern. But the main thing that this thing is, it's a super, super high SPL microphone. SPL stands for sound pressure level. So this is great for drum set it can handle it. It will not distort out. It even has a a negative 10 dB pad if you're going to put it on the snare. Uh, so you won't kill it or anything, but you know, Mike, we've talked in the past about how much I love, uh, the, uh, the sound that comes from what's the camera, the GoPro. Yeah. Yeah. This mic has a little bit of compression in it. Oh, really? I don't know how to explain it. And obviously I'm going to give you guys sound of it. Um, but this mic has a little bit of compression. in it. So it's a great mic if you if you say okay I just need one microphone to pick up the whole kit this it's already set in cardioid just use it as an overhead it it has a very cool sound to it it's it's different than anything else that Audio Technica makes and um, but yeah the SPL maxes out at a, almost 160 dB so that's loud it can handle anything you can use this on guitar cabinets you could use it pretty much on anything and because it's cardioid this is a great microphone for those of you guys that want to tour and you just need a little bit of an overhead it's cardioid so it's going to pick up what's in front of it rather than the entire stage so great it's pretty cool stuff now i have a question in that price range and you can take your time to think about this but in that price range the 300 hundred dollar range do you have something that you use as a large diaphragm because i know you have your shure ksm ksm
1: 32s uh Actually, let me look it up. The... Can you hear me typing?
0: <laughs> Heck, yeah. Like a stud. You didn't even look down. How did you do that? Because uh, I took keyboarding in high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. I took band. And then more band. It was I the one class,
1: class I had to take my senior
0: year was was keyboarding. Dude, your, drum, your drumming doesn't impress me at all, but that was rad. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, it was funny. My dad... Uh, he was in
1: he was in Vietnam, and he always tells me oh, wow. the story that the reason he got out of the battlefield was because he could type. So he ended up really? being like a, a clerk for the the general or whatever. So oh, he wow. he was like, "You're learning how to type. No matter what you do, you're learning how <laughs> just, to type. <laughs>
0: just in case things go down again, I need my son out of harm's way. You're either playing snare <laughs> at the front of the line or we're putting you typing in the back. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, I, it's
1: not a large diaphragm condenser, but okay the overheads that i'm using now currently which i think sound as good as anything i've ever used are the blue hummingbird oh yeah it's a small it's technically a small diaphragm condenser but it's a little bit bigger than like a regular pencil condenser and it has a swiveling head so you can you can really kind of point it very easily wherever you want it to go one mic is 299
0: perfect and it sounds
1: amazing like they are my overheads currently and they've been my overheads for the past month
0: Awesome man, yeah, awesome. So that would be well. My- there you go. I mean, so it's possible to get you know a decent sound, and the and the the recording I'm going to do for you guys is just this one microphone. So obviously, and, and I've got it about five feet above the drum set, square in the middle. Obviously, it's not going to capture a ton of kick drum and low end, but I'm thinking about the person that's like, look, I've got a one channel interface. I just want something better than the audio coming from my phone, and it's like, okay, well, this is this is a great place now. This is also a great mic to add if you're like, okay, I have all my close mics, but my drum set sounds so processed and so fake. If you want to add some air to the to the recordings and a little bit of room to the recordings, then this would be another great mic for that. So once again, it's the Audio-Technica AE3000 high SPL microphone. It's a large diaphragm condenser microphone inside of a small capsule. So like I said, you can use it on toms or snare or floor tom, and it's not going to take up a ton of room. So I will record for you Right now, and this is using no kick mic, no snare, and no toms, only that one microphone. <laughs> So, did you like the way that sounded? I don't know.
1: Huh? I guess I'll find out over the weekend. <laughs>
0: you can't deny that low end.
1: <laughs> the dynamics is really great. You know,
0: you know what's funny? is It's my mic and it's my kit, and I still don't know what it sounds like because I have to record it after we're done with it. <laughs> but I think it's, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty awesome. Oh, good times. All right, let's get to some listener questions. They're piling up.
1: Yeah, we're going to just do, I think probably just do two this week. Uh, okay. we did receive a couple audio questions for the 50th so remind everyone if you want to send in your questions for our 50th uh, episode which is how many weeks from now that would be three weeks from now mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, this yeah so 47. you can record it on your iphone or if you have a digital recorder whatever and just email it over to mdinfo at modern drummer.com. the two that i've received sound great so oh, the cool. quality has been awesome um, or you can just email your question as well. So we are going to do the all question and answer session for the 50th. So again, that's mdinfo at modern drummer.com. Just put podcast question in the subject line and it'll come straight to me. So our first question is coming from Simon. Simon, Simon, Simon Vidlund. I guess I'm saying that correctly. Um, he really wants to know our opinion about snare wires. Um, he has a Thomas star which is a super high End snare drum it's a walnut shell and it's Nine inches deep so it's a mammoth Um, He wants to use it as Like a floor tom type snare Kind of like what Chris Dave or Sput Do okay Um, he Wants to know what snare wire should He get for this drum would it be the best choice For the what would be the best choice for this For that sound that kind of super low Gushy floor tom with with snare Sound Um, should he just use the 20 strand Tama wires that come with it or should it go with like a pure sound super 30 or a pure sound custom 20 to 26 strand wire? So we just want some help. I have a couple ideas, but do you have anything in particular you want to jump in?
0: No. I mean, honestly, th- those type of questions kind of always bring up the same response to me just because I think about how I would have handled this myself um, going through it, which would be experiment. I, yeah. I would, you know, luckily snare wires aren't that expensive. Um Although, you might be a little dry financially after buying that snare, because that's a very expensive no snare. No kidding. <laughs> it's a great, and especially at that depth, that's a very expensive snare. Yeah. But, you know, I, my thought, I have, I've have—I've played Sputz Kit when we did the Ireland Clinic. Actually, the solo that we did at the end, we all switched drum sets, and I was on Sputs Kit. So I've, I'm very familiar with that. And I can say this, you know, its it wasn't a very responsive, snappy snare. So I... I could see going with a thicker snare or or more snare wires to mute the bottom head, and make it a little, you know, gushier, but at the same time that's giving you more snap and more response and that's not kind of what that drum does. But m- my opinion honestly is if you can afford it, just try things out. You know, you make the call. Like you're you're the artist, Simon, and I I want you to to feel like I was influenced by Sput. I was influenced by Chris Dave, but this is my thing because I'm an artist too. So, but uh, I'm sure you have some more technical guidance.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing I was going to say is knowing that the Thomas star has been designed, like researched and designed to the nth degree, they probably have left no detail untouched. So the wires that they probably are putting on that drum is probably going to be the best option. Uh, just as a start, I wouldn't question their, their design team right off the bat. Right. Because those drums are pristine and damn near perfect. So that would be the first thing. But if, if you really just want to try some stuff, I mean, I think it depends on, like you said, what are you looking for, more sound, snare sound? Are you looking for less snare sound? Are you looking for a brighter snare sound or are you looking for a darker snare sound? So if you're looking for more snare sound get a wider snare wire but just be aware that maybe the snare beds on that drum aren't wide enough to handle a 40 strand wire i've had that happen to me on a couple drums i'm like i want to put the big wide strainer on there and the beds just weren't wide enough so they just it just didn't work it just rattled just rattled crazy so that's one caution um if you want a bright snare sound but less Buzz. then you could do the Gavin Harrison thing and actually clip some of the wires off and just leave it, take it down to like 12. So it'll be a more subtle, but still snare, you know, have some snare sound, but it won't be like just rattling like crazy. Yeah. But if you want to go for a darker sound, I would actually suggest the Grover um, cable, Mm, cable snares. Yeah. I put those on, I have an old Rogers 15 inch marching drum from the, from the fifties or something. I put those on it, and it sounds like a, like a colonial drum. So if you want to just make it dark and dry, get some of those Grover. They're basically like guitar strings.
0: Yeah. Well, you know the good thing about that? I was actually going to bring this up as a negative, but that would kind of fix this, is if you go with a big, fat, wide snare, it, it may give you the desired, the desired sound you're going for on the snare, but you have to realize now you have two snares that are going to react to your toms. And if you've got a 40 strand on there, it's going to go bananas when you hit your rack toms. Yeah, yeah. Along with your your current snare. So the the Grover snares just don't really do that. They don't buzz and have that sympathetic snare buzz as much. Yeah,
1: they're super dry. Uh,
0: exactly. So <clears throat> that might be... That's
1: probably where dry. I would suggest first. Because yeah. you already have the snappy wires that came with it, so you want something completely different. So check out the and Grover... On- uh, I don't know what, what they're called, but they have like a different, there's like a stadium version, there's a studio version, but you can just go to their, I think it's Grover Pro or Grover Pro Percussion, mm-hmm. and just look at their wires. They're, I put them on an old Radio King, and it just it dried it up like like bone dry, but still get a lot of response. It made that drum sound like Steve Gatt. like
0: Oh, okay. Like yeah. super, super well, cool. I I think the other thing, too, is going for that Sput thing or the Chris Dave thing, that top head is going to be probably quite a bit more important than the snares themselves. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people go straight up. Uh, what's the Remo phallum or what's the oh the what's uh, the Kevlar? Yeah, the phallum. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you, you know, you could go with something like that or, uh, you know, a coated Power Stroke from Remo, hydraulic like that. Evans hydraulic. hydraulic. Yeah. yeah, I think that's going to get you closer to that sound than just changing out the snares on the bottom. But yeah. all right, awesome.
1: Next. Okay. The next one is from, this is from Kieran Smith. Um, so it has a long story, but I'll try to synopsis, give you a synopsis. So, um, he had to basically sell a bunch of stuff cause he was, he was moving. Um, he got rid of some symbols. They never really liked and a couple snares that weren't getting as much attention and an older PDP kit, um, ended up acquiring some old A's, which I, again, that's some of my favorite sounds. Um, But what he said happened was as soon as he sold one drum, he regretted it. He sold a SJC hybrid maple acrylic and just instantly regretted it. It was his favorite drum. Um, So he wanted to know, have we ever sold or traded something? And and it still haunts us to this day.
0: Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And I even know where it is. Oh, really? I know. And I'm actually uh, the owner of what I sold. His wife does Amber's hair. Wow. So, well, so you can always get it you- back. No, he no. I've I know him. Like he won't. <laughs> it's his kit, and it's bad enough that Amber and myself snuck into his apartment on Christmas Eve about ten years ago and set up the kit as his Christmas present in his living room, <laughs> like freaking Secret Santas, um, breaking and entering. And so I, I have like the crystal clear memory of of locking his apartment door with that kit in his living room, feeling my my, my stomach just drop to the bottom of the floor. Oh, I was like, man. that's my favorite kit that I've ever owned. <sighs> and yeah, it crushed me. So that was my gunmetal gray sparkle premier genista.
1: Oh yeah, that's a tough one to get rid of.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those and then premiere stopped making it. Then premiere went out of business. And now it's like, so I can't just go buy one, you know? And (laughs) yeah, that was, uh, that was tough. And, and the, the process leading up to that, I bought that in between leaving DW and then coming back to DW. It was like this in between period where I thought, you know what? No endorsements, no nothing. I'm just going to buy my favorite drum set. And I tried a Pearl masters custom. And I tried the Thomas, uh, Star Classic at the time. I tried everything, and then I tried that kit, and I was like, that's the one. I always wanted a Janista. I wanted, as soon as I saw Virgil Donati play on the Modern Drummer 1997 festival, I wanted a green Janista. And then I got it, and I had it, and I played it for a long time, and then I re-signed with DW, and I thought, I don't want this kit to sit in the garage and and collect dust. I'm going to sell it. So what about you, buddy?
1: In general, no. I mean, I, I... I tend to sell stuff once I replace it with something better. So if, if I get a new snare and it's essentially just a better version of one I already own, then I just sell mm-hmm. the other one. So it, I don't regret any of that. I did sell my original red pearl export kit. Sure. It was when I, I was going to grad school when I, you know, I couldn't leave it in my parents' house. It's like I gotta, I gotta do something with it. So I sold it to a bass player that I was you know somewhat working with regularly. And I sold it to him at like, basement dollars like he's a friend whatever i'll give it to you for a couple hundred bucks that but it was fine until like a week later he basically says yeah i ended up selling it oh for more than i sold it to him for yeah yeah he got a profit sure like, like you gave him the bro deal i was like you
0: sob <laughs> like at least <laughs> offer to sell it back to me you know? <laughs> I love I love when I get like the real version <laughs> of you when it's like, like like I can even hear the tone in your voice. You're reliving this moment right now. It's so awesome. It kills me. And and I, honestly, I haven't I've have never played with him again after that.
1: <laughs> I mean, at least give me the opportunity to buy my own drums oh, back God. from you.
0: <laughs> Bro, there was almost green tea all over the keyboard. <laughs> Holy hell. <clears throat> So, yeah, mm. yeah, my red pro export is floating somewhere around in the del Mar uh, i just I just love that you started this story with like, no, not really, and now you're like that s o b like clearly you held on to this one yeah that uh, was that was rough, man, he yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't have anything that sound wise I'm like, oh man, I really wish I had that drum or whatever it's you know, I've gone through it a few times because. Leaving DW, I had all these DWS, and I had I had paid for them. I mean, I didn't have the whole full endorsement thing at the time, so I had paid for them. But I thought, I know what goes into making a DW. It's it's an art, mm-hmm. and so it's like, so do I just put these in a closet and I don't play them while I'm a Gretsch artist, or do I sell them to somebody that's going to make YouTube videos with them and get them get get them seen and gig with them the way they should be. So, so yeah, I had to like kind of let DW know like, Hey, I'm going to sell these drums. I'm going to sell them for no more than what I got them from you for at my artist discount. Mm-hmm. I'm not profiting. I just want you to be aware of it. And, uh, but yeah, it's, but yeah, even man, sometimes I'll have people that come here that know me from early YouTube and they're like, Hey, do you have that striped DW? am like, no, I don't. <laughs> I kind of miss it. Yeah.
1: That was the one I played on when I was there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. cool kit.
0: Did you do a lesson here? I did. You did? My gosh, that was like a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, the place looked very different. (laughs) So, (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. Well, yes, we all regret things that we've sold in the past, I'm sure. Yeah, so to anyone
1: listening who's thinking about buying and selling, at least offer it back to the person you bought it from first. Give them the first choice to buy it back. And actually, when I I just interviewed Shannon Forrest, he's going to be on the cover coming up. So we'll talk about him a lot. But Awesome that was one of the things he said because he's like he's talking about he's he has so many kits and and when he sells them he tells the person he's selling it to like you if ever comes a day that you want to get rid of this kit you have to sell it back to me like that's the agreement or else you can't take my kit and i think that's i think that's 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 cool because then shannon can buy it back and sell it to somebody else who's going to use it and not just turn it for profit
0: or something that the whole flipping of musical gear it just eats at my soul i hate it I agree. I can't remember. I think it might have been, uh, you know, uh, James Murphy, Blue Man Group oh, yeah, guy, in yeah. Berkeley. Um, oh, he's done the articles for you guys, right? Yeah, he's done a couple. Yep, great. Yeah, so I think I might be wrong, and, and James, you can text me later if I'm wrong. But I think he, I think I saw something about seven or eight months ago that he bought his original drum set, like a Pearl Session Series, back from the people that he sold it to. Yeah, that's great. And it's like that's great. That guy's got you know probably more dr- pro drums than but. It's like that's my first kid. I want it back. Yeah, you know? I could awesome. totally see that. So. Yeah. All right, let's get into pick of the week. Do you have a pick of the week this time, sir?
1: I had one, but then you mentioning Victor Wooten reminded me that I have to say that his book, The Music Lesson, uh, mm,
0: is one of my favorites. Quite possibly the best music book ever written. I think it's kind of brilliant. Like I don't know a lot of books that are written like that. Uh, yeah, it's like
1: fact fiction, biography slash theory slash. So crazy. And and, right? the, and there's an audiobook version that Victor does the reading of. Oh. and so he's, If
0: you've ever seen his little TED commercial where he talks about music as a language, I could listen to him speak all day. Yeah. Oh, so my so pick of the cool. week is
1: Victor Wooten, the music lesson. Um, get the audiobook version, but get the hard copy too, because you can. I reread it at least every six months. And it's every time I read, it, I'm like, there's something else I'm getting out of it. There's something else. Just yeah. the way he shares the concepts of music, rhythm and and melody and improvisation through his
0: storytelling. Exactly. It's just so deep. It's just so deep. Yeah. Yeah, what's crazy is there's analogies that you don't even realize are analogies until your second or third read through. And then you realize Oh man, that seemed actually black and white and very on the surface stuff. And now I realize that's an analogy too for something else musical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't want to. It's 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 like it's like Fight Club. Like you can't tell anybody yeah. about it because yeah. they have to experience it. But it's uh, it's it's. I agree with Mike. That is one of the, uh, and it's a quick read. I mean, it's what is it like 120 pages? Yeah, it's it's, I mean, it's, it's
1: an easy you know a flight to flighting back to California from New York. I probably could read it. <laughs>
0: Because you can type. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. It, I agree. It's pretty amazing. Well, my pick of the week couldn't be more opposite of yours. All yours right. is deep and amazing. <laughs> I don't even want to say it now. I feel like an idiot. Mine is the uh, PNY sixty-four gig <laughs> SD card. <laughs> ah. Wow, an SD card. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yes, it actually is. Okay, here's. I put some thought into this, and I didn't know that you were going to trump me with your great pick of the week. Oh, Lord. Uh, okay. I, okay. Here's the deal, guys. For whatever crazy reason, the retail world thinks that you haven't figured it out yet. And I still see four gig cards at the checkout line at Target for $20. Four gigs. Yeah. And, I, and they're like, oh, dude, you got a four gig card. <laughs> and it. It's unbelievable and this card if you get this on Amazon this is a $20 card 64 gigs that's going to give you 14 hours of super HD video um and it's the elite performance card so the transfer speed like when you plug it into your computer the data comes off of it very fast and like I said if you get it on Amazon it costs you the same as a 4 gig card that you would get at you know at a, any other place so I know it sounds silly, but just ordering two of these and then having them for my cameras, I've never run out of time on my SD card. And I film video all day long, and mm-hmm. I'm filming it you know, past HD. Like I'm, My cameras record in between HD and 4K. It's, I, I don't remember the exact rate, what it is. But it's – I mean it, it takes up quite a bit of room. Every time I make a video, what's on the card is usually – the file is usually about 3 gigs. Mm-hmm. But I have 64 gigs. It's, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I never run out of room. The other thing that people probably don't realize is a 64-gig SD card, do you know how many movies that is that you could just store on a tiny little card and then throw it into your laptop on a flight? You don't have to download everything and and freeze up your hard drive with movies and videos. Just put it on there. So it's it's a lame thing. But it's a very necessary – my entire life is built on SD cards right now because all I do is film video yeah, all day long. Kidding. So I, I have to have them. And if they can't write fast enough, then I won't get the footage I'm looking for. And if they can't read fast enough, then I can't transfer that footage without waiting an hour for a 4-gig file to come off of my card onto my computer. Yeah. So having this, it's just – if you just go to Amazon, it's the PNY 64-gig Elite performance SD card, and like I said, they're probably somewhere around twenty, twenty-three dollars, and it's just so worth it. I so, need a couple of those, so I'm getting one, two. There you go, boom. And I will reread the music lesson by Victor. Hey, oh, never mind. You can download it and put it on your PNY sixty-four gig. <laughs> Shut up, you ass. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it on there fifty-eight times. All right. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, man. All right, everyone. The reason why this episode is being cut a little bit short is I'm in the middle of a of a camp this week, and we're actually doing this podcast while the campers are out to dinner, and I have three minutes before they get back from dinner, and uh, so that's why we're doing this. So thank you for being patient with us. So you need to go practice on alternative surfaces, get some pillows, get some magazines. You need to check out Dorico Watson. Check If you need one microphone, check out the Audio Technica AE3000 and get a PNY 64 gig SD card. <laughs> way better than an amazing book that might change your life. <laughs> I concur, All right, yeah. buddy. <laughs> I will see you next week, my friend. All right, see you. Later, on.